Well, hidey ho there, fellow wrestling fans. It's Warren Hayes here with another AEW Dynamite review. Hello, hello, welcome, welcome, wherever it is you're you're joining me, whether it's on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes or on your favorite podcast application. It is a thrill to be able to share my thoughts on the most on the most recent episode, not a recent episode, the most recent episode of AEW Dynamite. Uh, specifically the one that occurred on October 18, 2023. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, thank you for being here. And again, you know, look, uh, you know, you know the rigmarole about uh, the little engagement things, the little things that help out the channel, you know, like likes on YouTube, subscriptions on YouTube, uh, uh, reviews, five-star reviews, a wink <laughs> on Apple Podcasts and five-star ratings on Spotify help out tremendously. And I would be much obliged if you could uh, give it a hand and uh, give me a hand in that regard and, and, and do that because it does help grow the uh, the podcast, uh, everything that I do. So it'd be fantastic if you could do that. I would really, really be appreciative. I don't know why I said it like that. It wasn't even funny. It wasn't even fun. I just look like a dork now. More of a dork. Um... We uh, we got ourselves a dynamite here, uh, which uh, which I'm looking forward to talk about. I, and, and you know, like overall, I liked it. I thought it was a good episode of Dynamite. Um, and uh, well, <laughs> there's a couple of things here. I think AEW is starting to prove me right. I don't want to sit here and you know pat myself on the back again too much. But, uh, you know, I'm looking at things happen happening on the show and uh, and people showing up and wrestling. Look, there's a couple of things we've been talking about here over the past few weeks in regards to some of the woes that they've been going through. Um, I think there's, uh, you know, I think there's uh, there's a, a substantial uh, uh, th th there's stuff happening here that you uh that you absolutely should wonder as to whether or not they not that they listen to the show but that the that they're um that they're paying attention to that they know that they they might be slipping up on some of the things that makes AEW special that makes AEW different from the competition and that had people fall in love with it in the first place we'll get to those as we go along you'll see what i mean but i think like i feel and even though it's not perfect yet I feel we are in course correction mode here, if that makes sense. I feel certain tides turning, if that makes sense. I can, I can feel it. Not saying, again, not saying everything is fixed and it's perfect, but look, let's start talking about it, right? October 18, 2023, from Rosenberg, Texas. In the shadow of Houston, Texas, as I was uh, told. At the Fort Bend Epicenter. New building. Uh, WrestleTix comes out, uh, has uh, their final count for uh, the number of tickets distributed for last night's show at 4,457. So uh, that's where we're at. That's how we finished. So it's not a, um, it, 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 you know, again, 
these are not like mind-blowingly excellent numbers, right? These are not things that, that we're going to sit around and, and we're going to go, oh, this is absolutely fantastic stuff. Uh, however, this is a, this is on the high end, this is above average for dynamites these days uh, at, uh, at 4457, which is very, very good. Um, and a significant uptick from where we were just uh, seven days ago or so in uh, on WrestleTix, uh, on the WrestleTix uh, uh, um, update, a previous update on October 11, the show had 2,462 tickets distributed. So there was a significant bump there. Why, do you ask? What happened between October 11 and... Uh, in October 18, well, on October 12, Tony Khan announced that Mystico was going to be wrestling for Rampage, but, you know, they tape Rampage on Wednesday, that he was going to be wrestling there on Wednesday. And then suddenly, like, 2,000 more tickets go out the door. Now, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uh, discussion around all of this, but listen, there is one thing that uh, that you must know, and that is, this is a truth, is that in the world of Lucha Libre, Mystico is a draw. He was a draw in the mid-2000s before he left it all behind to head to the greener pastures of WWE. And then when he returned to CMLL a couple of years ago, uh, he returned to this spot where he's drawing people into the building like you want to talk about someone who's getting the casuals in this is him this is the guy and there is more than enough proof to support that now if you're going into a market this in, in this area of texas which is uh which has a tremendous lucha fan base historically speaking it's always been there you're bringing in the top star in mexico the top Lucha star. You, you're bringing him in. You're thinking that he's not going to move tickets. Let's get real here. Now, AEW did a lot of local promotion. They did a lot of, uh, you know, ticket reductions, BOGOs and all that stuff. And uh, which, by the way, I think it was Fightful that reported that they're uh, going to be doing more of that moving forward. And they absolutely have to. I mean, good they should, they need to, they have to. Um, so that's, that. you know, that's exciting. I think it's exciting that uh, that, that they're going to be doing. So, so couple that with the drawing power of Mystico, and I think that you have a formula for success here. You have a good reason to get the people of, of, uh, of the, the, the people who live in the shadow of Houston, Texas, to get excited to come to the show. And then on top of that, the tickets are cheaper. I mean, it's a combination of things. Don't get me wrong. And I know there's a lot of people who are like, oh, yeah, uh, no one likes... I've seen this take so much. No one likes Lucha Libre. No one watches Lucha Libre. Jesus Christ. No one you know. I keep telling y'all, fear the sweeping statement. I told this story before, but I'm not going to tell it now. But, you know, it's something that a prof told me when I was in university years ago that has always stuck with me. Fear the sweeping statement. 
as we all know, you never start, you never, that's not a proper argument. You should never take into, you should never assume that everyone knows what you're talking about. Nobody watches. I know I do it sometimes. It's mostly, you know, for laughs, you know, especially when you go, nobody cares. Nobody watches Lucha Libre. CMLL fills out Arena Mexico every Friday night on a weekly basis. There's tons of people there every Wednesday night, uh, Friday night, excuse me. I mean, that's very, you know, centric upon your own experience, which is when you do analysis, when you do, when you think about stuff, you have to think outside of your own personal experiences and you have to look at the data, you have to look at things going around you, you have to get an understanding of what's going around you. Because it might not be representative of what you're going through. You know, we had this talk, uh, you know, weeks ago when we were talking about, uh, you know, how everyone was losing their minds that AEW might go to 12 pay-per-views. Well, I can't afford. Well, okay. But that doesn't mean that because you can't afford to buy an AEW pay-per-view every month doesn't mean that it is destined to fail. Because not everyone is in your position. And the only way that we're going to figure this out is by doing it, by seeing, look, if AEW does pay-per-views, you know, does 12 pay-per-views a year, will it be a successful model? They did five pay-per-views. Excuse me. They did three pay-per-views over a five-week period, just very recently, did over 300,000 buys. I think that's a, I, I think they got to be happy about that. Did you buy everyone? You specifically, did you buy everyone? Probably not. If you did... That's fine too, but you probably didn't. That's all right. It's all right too. But we have to disassociate what we, what our experience says versus, you know, when there's actual observable behaviors and data that go outside of it, you know, outside of your little bubble where everyone watches the same thing. It's like, well, you know, there's other people that watch other things. No one watches Lucha Libre. I have to disagree with that. I have to disagree rather strongly with that. So, um, so Mystico's a draw. <laughs> There's, there you go. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's a big deal, and this, and and for Lucha Libre fans, him versus Rocky Romero for the title, like it's a it's a big deal. Okay, uh, uh, you know, I you know, I haven't seen this, you know, I, I'm trying to keep away from the spoilers. I'm going to watch the Rampage this Friday because I'm going to tune in. This is a match that speaks to me. I'm excited for this. This is a big time match. Even if you're just, if, if, if you're just into CMLL, if you're just into Lucha, you're like, oh shit. And I can't underscore this enough how big of a deal it is. That this is happening on U.S. soil, promoted by a U.S. promotion. Like they're not doing Mystico versus Rocky Romero in CMLL. They're doing it in AEW. And this, look, this is all happening because of Rocky, power broker Rocky Romero. If there's anyone who should be Booker of the Year at this point, with everything, with all the people he's bringing around the table all the opportunities that he's opening up for New Japan, CMLL, 
you know, getting all these people working with each other. New Japan, CMLL, Impact, uh, AEW. It's tremendous. All right, let's get to the show. Jay White defeated Penta El Zero Miedo with uh, with a good little match. I, uh, what am I saying? Good little match. I thought it was a hot opener. I thought it was very good, actually. Very, very, very good. And it starts off fast, you know. Penta, he just dives right over the top rope with a Topican Hilo. Jay White gets a one of his patented heat segments, a gourd buster on the apron, a suplex in the corner. He even lands in a cattle mutilation. I don't know if you uh, if y'all saw that. Locking in a cattle mutilation there. I think it was during picture in picture, so you may have missed it. They have a tremendous chop off, right? With, you know where Jay White is, like, he tries to land his chops, but you know Penta has his fucking whatever, you know. And White is like, he's eating shit, and he's like, take that off, take, you know. So uh, you know that was that was a lot of fun. A lot of uh, controversies over tying knots. Why are wrestlers unable to tie knots? Like these types, these types of spots always fail. And I'm looking at Jay going, you're like, Jay, you're not tying it. What are you doing? You're not tying it. To, you're, you're being ridiculous here. Uh, Uranagi and Brainbuster by White, made in Japan by uh, Penta. However, the guns interfere to distract the ref, which allows Juice to hit the left hand of God to knock out Penta. And then uh, Blade Runner by uh, by Jay White for the win. I like the match. I thought, look, this is how you start Dynamite. Hot match to kick it off. After White gets on the mic. He talks about uh, Max not being there. He sort of toys with him, taunts him. You know, he's not here because he can't find anyone to help him get his belt back. Then, um, then Juice gets on the mic, puts over the ring again. Then he got a TJ Maxx. I couldn't remember when I did the the, the collision review on Sunday where they, when he talked about the ring. I couldn't remember the name. The TJ Maxx for, and he even he said for twenty four ninety nine. So it's not a custom ring, but I can still knock a guy out. And he's gonna do it next week after he beats uh, after he beats everyone in the Dynamite Dozen Battle Royal later on, and he might even get himself another gold tooth on top of that. All right. Um. So, uh, my my instincts were correct. They are pivoting away from the role of quarters. I talked about this on Sunday on the Collision Review when they introduced the ring. I speculated. Are they introducing this as a method to pivot away from the from the uh, from the quarters, right? Because they introduced the ring and they made sure to show how effective the TJ Maxx ring was for Juice by knocking out dead <laughs> Christopher Daniels. So now he uses it here. Well, he doesn't use it here, but he they're putting it over again. He doesn't use it here, but he'll use it later on. Um. So they're putting it over here again. So I feel like we're doing this instead of the roll of quarters, which I think is a smart move. 
to move away from that. Keep everyone from losing their shit over it. Again, the timing was poor. And I'm still not convinced that we're never going to hear talk about that again. Because I think MJF is like, yeah, he's told the story about the bullies twice. This is going to be part of an angle someday. And they opted it to they opted to do it here, but it was just poor optics. Wasn't a good time because of world events. Um so there you go. So look, I, 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 fine way to wrap things up. We're getting everything ready for the, the, the Dynamite Dozen Battle Royal as well. And then immediately after MJF is backstage with Renee. So he is here, but he says straight to the cameras, like, you think I'm, I'm, a, I'm dopey enough to run out there where four guys, four on one. I'm, you know, I'm smarter than that. And I'm like, bravo. <laughs> Indeed. Let's get ourselves some smart baby faces as opposed to. You know, the opposite. Um, so basically, he sets up, you know, the, the fact that he ho- he kind of hopes win- Juice is going to win because he wants to kill him. So, you know, there's still the bad blood is there regardless. Uh, and then the acclaimed arrive, uh, still offering up their services uh, for the for uh, an eight man tag. And Max is still playing hard. Max as in MJF. Is still playing hard to get, and uh, they, you know, the the acclaim goes so far for me. Um, AEW Women's World Title Eliminator match followed, where Hikaru Shida defeated Emi Sakura. This was very good as well. I thought this was great. I I got no no qualms with this. Machine gun chops by Emmy. She's taking advantage. She she takes the lead on this early on, and she does machine gun chops in the corner. She even nopes a missile drop kick. I love that. She has a really good heat segment. I don't know. Like I know, I I know everyone's like, oh Emmy, you know. I, I know there's stuff in her presentation and you know things that aggravate people. And I think she's such a solid fucking worker. I wouldn't... I would... In the back of my mind, when this match started, I was like, you know what? The bold thing to do would be to strap up Emi Sakura. That would be what I'd do. Just just to... Out of nowhere, put the, put the, 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 the belt on her, and then have her have tremendous matches with the rest of the, with the, rest of the roster because she can guide everyone. To something, to something fantastic. She's that good. She's really, really good. She crossbodies Sheeta to the floor, which was great. A great bump by Sheeta. She tiger drivers her as well. There's a super close near fall on a La Magistrale uh, and a straight right and a falcon arrow by Sheeta, followed by the katana for the win. Good little match. I really, really liked it. I mean, there's no, like, you know, I'm saying, hey, they should have strapped up Emmy. It's, it's not as if, oh, my prediction. Uh, I, I, realistically, they're not taking the belt off of Sheeta this early again, right? They're not, but, I'm like, if you want to, if you want to <laughs> get, uh, 
get into the weeds a little bit. You want to you want to surprise people. You want to make things like shocking and interesting. And I think there, you know, there's a lot of that that lacks in wrestling. I find when it comes, we're we're very safe with our title. And I understand too. You don't want to do this all the time, right? But I feel like sometimes we're so very safe. You know, I not to beat a dead horse here, but Sammy could have won at Elimination Chamber. That would have been a tremendous curveball, and he could have lost it the following Raw. Roman just picks it back up. It's like because it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? You just create a little something where completely unexpected where you're just like holy shit what are we doing here right that's kind of what i thought that we're going to do with emmy here well, well no it's kind of what i thought i would that's what i would have done just have emmy come in oh it's an eliminator match you wouldn't even have won the title you still would have had another match but you have you know you have her win the eliminator you're like holy shit and then we move into the 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 next match and then maybe you know you're like okay well she can lose here but then you you know instead of having an eight minute match they can have a 15 minute match and it'll rule and Sheeta has to claw her way to a victory or better yet have Emmy win <laughs> and I, I I like Sheeta that's not the issue it's not even that it's just I, sometimes I just want things to really shock and surprise me and I I just want to you know, I just go, oh shit, bold move, Cotton, kind of thing. That's what I'm looking for sometimes. Um, we get the Adam Copeland sit down with Renee Paquette. Um, his rated R rebuttal, as it was promoted, which I think was funny as hell. Because there was nothing very rated R in this rebuttal. It was all very tame, actually. I was expecting to say, oh, are we gonna, are we gonna get saucy? Or, you know, some spicy language. What's the what's the deal here? What are we doing? So um He says Christian Cage seemed to be on board with him returning to AEW so that they'd finish up their career together, kind of thing. Until Copeland started talking with uh, with TK and then apparently that sort of created a rift and uh, look here there's a lot of lore does you know the whole history you know known him since great and all that and a lot of lore and a lot of talk and a, and a rather long drawn out interview you know which uh, you know I'm like okay well <laughs> you can't take the uh, you, you, you can't take the edge out of Adam Copeland and you can't take Adam Copeland out of edge apparently um Look, I'm, I, but I don't. I don't want to be shitting on this, and I want to make something very clear. Uh, you know, I'm sure Copeland has been looking forward to doing this kind of stuff, lore promos and all that, because of you know he's been in the Fed for so long, and the, everything is all is so you know put together. And look, um, I'm sure he wants to get all of this out of the way. You know, kind of like the the back and forth with Ricky Starks and all that, and he's, you know, he had, you know, he's, and and I'm cool with that. I can only feel happy for him that that you know maybe he feels like he has this freedom that he didn't have before, and he wants to take advantage of it, and that's fine, you know. But we're gonna have to move on from this soon. 
Anyway, he says, you know, he's always been the one to prop up Christian Cage over his career, essentially. And when Nick Wayne and Luchasaurus turn on him and leave him in the dirt, he's going to be the one who's going to prop him up again kind of thing. Um, so it, yeah, so basically what he's saying here is that, it, and he said it textually, it's, it's not about the television title, it's not about the TNT title, it's about, so again, we're in another angle where the titles don't matter, and it's all about friendships. I'm like, all right, okay, all right, uh, let's move on, let's move on to Wardlow, squashing Ryan Nemeth, who did his best, but wasn't good enough. And uh, after the, the match, Tony Schiavone tries to get a word with Wardlow. And Wardlow, you know, he was hitting the bricks. He was leaving the ring again because the, the match stopped by referee's decision. It's the same thing. Only Nemeth only took one powerbomb. Yeah, yeah, jerk. <laughs> so, uh, 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 so Schiavone's in there and then Wardlow comes off and, you know, Wardlow shows off the MJF on his um, wrist tape, which had been a thing, right? We uh, uh, A lot of eagle-eyed people on the internet had pointed that out. Now, you know, it's official. Okay, this is a thing. He's coming after MJF. He wants MJF. And he shoves Tony Schiavone. The biggest heel move of the evening is not him, you know, shouldering giving a shoulder shove to Tony Schiavone, knocking him out on his ass. Now that is a heel move. You don't put your hands on Tony. Wardlow. Rene Paquette is with uh, Kenny Omega backstage. Kenny Omega's talking about, oh, you know, last year was a little rough. Don't look at my, uh, don't look at my win-loss record. Um, but, you know, he says he's, you know, I'm fighting Kyle Fletcher. He's reminded him that uh, he's the measuring stick, he being Kenny Omega. And then he's like, oh, maybe I'll go after the world title after this. MJF pops in. They shake hands. And then he whispers in Kenny Omega's ear, uh, 13 days, bitch. Referring to, I'm sure you've all figured it out by now, referring to the fact that in 13 days, as of yesterday anyway, um, uh, uh, MJF will have beaten Kenny Omega as the longest uh, reigning AEW world champion so i'm thinking of this and i'm like are we going to get ourselves like not next week next week we're getting uh juice and 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 and, and max right well i'm are we setting ourselves up in two weeks time to have a major major match between kenny omega and uh and mjf or on collision i'm talking dynamite here but or on collision are we gearing up to have this big time pay-per-view match? Maybe. And look, and here's something that I really like. This is something that I really like and sort of ties into what I was saying earlier where I feel there's some course correction happening. There's a bunch of people now that are coming into the, the environment of the world title that want that want to be in this in the world title picture want to challenge right you got Samoa Joe over the past couple of weeks has been talking about that now you have Kenny Omega right saying oh you know I might just uh I might just come for the world title you know Jay White the current obvious challenger right now you know I I I, I absolutely do not hate this because more people should be talking about I want a world championship shot more people should 
because it's the world champion, it's the top prize in your promotion, of course, people should want this. So I'm excited. I'm excited at the prospect, this thought here, of maybe this being a thing that we're setting up. And that the world title is starting to feel important again. It's not just a, a prop in this story, right? MJF wants his belt back. Jay White is hanging on to it, you know? I, I, I don't hate this at all. And I, this is what I meant when I started off the show by saying there, I feel like there's some things that, that, is, that are course correcting. Look, we still got a, an Adam Cole, uh, Roderick Strong vignette again, which, you know, it just goes over my head. I watch, you know, so I, I gaze into the, into the abyss on that one. <laughs> I have no thoughts for you. You know by now how I feel about these vignettes, but this whole dynamic has taken a back seat. I understand Cole is injured. It might have been something completely different had he, had, should he still be healthy or whatnot, right? We're not even going to get into that. But right now, the title feels important. MJF is making, him fe making it feel important again. MJF is coming off as a much more as a world champion than anything else now. About the goofy shit. Now there's people that are angling for the title. I... All of this feels, you see what I mean? Some course correction? Am I being too optimistic? I'm still, you know, I'm still a little guarded, but I feel like we're veering in the right direction. How about that? Back, uh, we're back inside the ring for another uh, for another promo this time, it's Tony Schiavone who does not welcome Don Callis and his family to the ring. Of course, Sammy Guevara is out with an injury. Um, but we, we put over Will Hobbs here who broke Chris Jericho, manhandling him like no other man ever did. And Jericho again this week outselling the beating. I think it's tremendous. This is perfect, perfect angle so far. Got no notes. And Wahabs tells this story, like well, back like it was in fucking 1998, right? Where he he and his grandma, her, his grandma got him tickets front row to go see Chris Jericho. And Chris Jericho came to the ring and told the grandmother to sit down and told him to shut up. And I'm like, look at this. Powerhouse Hobbs carrying a 25-year-old grudge. I, I'm so into this shit. You know? The... The only person who could possibly be as petty as CM Punk and it's a storyline, whereas Phil Brooks is, is legit. I, I thought this was hilarious. Fantastic. Um, then Callis runs down uh, Kyle Fletcher for letting the uh, Don Callis family down. Fletcher comes in, he says, look, I did you a favor, pal, because my boy, Will Ospreay, was on his knees begging me to do this for you. Or something. No, Callus called Osprey, right? Callus called Osprey begging for help. And Osprey was like, why don't you, here's my boy. 
Kyle and he's going to handle it. And Callus is like, look, if you if you do good tonight, kid, I might give you another shot here. And then we get Kenny Omega defeating Cl uh, Kyle, C Clive. Is that what they're going to say? Clive Fletcher. Kyle Fletcher in a tremendous match. Now, I don't want to spend... I, there's a lot of stuff that happened in this match and I, and I thought it was fantastic, just gorgeous stuff. But I want to talk... There's two things I want to talk about here. First and foremost, Kyle Fletcher, what have I been telling you over the past couple of weeks? Months at this point, ever since Ozzy Open sign, um, Fletcher has the tools to be a main event guy, to be a big time player, to be a star in this business. He has the tools and it's up to him to decide, you know, how high his ceiling is going to be. It, it, it's really going to be in his hands. And when Mark Davis got injured and Tony booked him in a singles match, I told you guys and gal and on binary pals that Fletcher was that 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 TK obviously sees the same thing and why he's not going to have Fletcher bench in the meantime he's like no we're going to toss him in we're going to put him there in there with the wolves we're going to throw him into the deep end see if he sinks or swims and look you put him in a match with Kenny Omega look at the magic that that, that happened just a fantastic tremendous match a match that reminds me of how great dynamite is just how tremendous dynamite is. And why is this? Then this leads into my second point. Tremendous because we got Kenny Omega wrestling on the show. And I'm looking at this. I'm like, why isn't Kenny Omega more on television? Now, I understand how complicated everything was over the past year. But now the dark cloud is gone. Why isn't Kenny Omega one of the best wrestlers on the planet? Why isn't he more regularly on dynamite, on collision, wrestling? Because I saw this and I was like, this is the dynamite I signed up for. This is the AEW I signed up for. These superstars, these guys that made me tune in in the first place. In the ring, doing cool shit, having cool matches. Hell, you know what? They even, did you notice? They even did a little story tie-in here with the with the Callis family, right? So that the, so that the, um, so, so that the, uh, well, what's the story, weirdos? You know, what's the story, weirdos? Won't won't have a, a thing to say. We'll be able to say, well, because Don Callis has given him another shot here. And, like, it all ties in. We even have our little, our little nugget to make this make sense for the people whose brains explode when two wrestlers just want to have a cool match. And by the way, by the way, I hope, I know... Let me rephrase that. I am convinced that all of these where's the story people finally got to Tony Khan, finally got to creative, which is why they were there, which is why they try to do this more and more and so on and so forth, right? Now that all these people are shutting up, but they're going, but they're just moving the goalposts. They're bitching about other stuff. The point that I'm trying to make here is that all of the where's the story weirdos have just moved on to complain about something else. They're not giving props. They're not saying, ah, masterful move here, Tony. We recognize the efforts you're putting in. Thank you for accepting our criticism. No, they're just off to bitch about something else. That's all. And we have to stop caving to these morons, to these bozos who take up so much airspace, who take up so much mind space on Twitter 
a, an application that is on the uh, on the downturn that people over that that people overvalue and that in the next couple of years will un will very likely be completely irrelevant it's only relevant to people who are on the app trust me so it had it all here it we got the cool match we got the tie-in and we got kenny omega just tearing the house down reminding us why he's so fucking good and i've sat here for weeks at this point more and more that we've been talking about AEW's woes with attendance and why, you know, isn't, you know, why aren't we getting better ratings? You know, everything is sort of, you know, there, there's a good solid baseline. Why aren't we going to stuff? And I'm like, the people that brought it, that we got brought in to begin with were not, have not been featured, properly featured. The Elite, the Bucks, Omega, Page. They're not being featured anymore. When AEW was riding high, who was on top? Last week? Last week, we had former big name WWE guys in the ring on every match. No, no Jacksons, no Omega. I'm like, what are we doing? I... The formula here, to me, is not all that, that, that wacky. It's the people who represent the alternative. The people who are at the very basis, at the grassroots level. When AEW was coming up for the first double or nothing. For the first, uh, you know, fight for the fallen. Or fighter fest. I don't remember which one. Like, who, it doesn't matter. But these first pay-per-views, before the daily show came out the weekly show came out we don't have daily wrestling jesus christ shoot me now we have uh 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 before the weekly shows came out all these guys who were at the at the core of it who made us tune in that we were excited to see on a main international television national stage whatever you want to call it where are they where are they now omega just reminded me of this it's like christ kenny rules I want more Kenny. And I'm sure I'm not alone. Anyway, tremendous match. Then we had AEW trotting out local boy Lance Archer to defeat uh to, to defeat Dollar Store Nick Jackson, Barrett Brown. At first I was like, wait. Is that, it's like, he was kind of like a, a mix of both Matt and Nick. Did you, I don't know. But uh, good little squash for Lance. I, I, again, I feel like they just trotted him out because it was, you know, he's a hometown boy. Local babyface Lance Archer. But I'll tell you what, I liked his squash a lot more than Wardlow anyway. They're debuting a remix of Swerve's uh, theme on YouTube on Friday, and I'm glad they're doing that because I was like, oh, do I have to sit through a video, a music video, when I just want to watch wrestling? And thank God they didn't. Kudos. Nothing against Swerve or, you know, anyone involved. That's not the, that's not the issue. It's just like, I don't want to watch music videos when I'm watching wrestling. You know what I mean? Uh, not us talking about how exciting it is. 
he's with Swerve, you know. And Swerve is, you know, he's like, he should be celebrating being the TNT champion, but Hangman Page fucked it up for him. And now it used to be business, now it's personal. Let's go. Let's go. And if it's personal, I want, you know, home invasion, Nick Wayne home invasion swerve on this. This is the guy I want. Bring the gates, have them just be brutal and vicious, and you just be like this, 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 uh, this master puppeteer. This is what I want. Tony Schiavone talks about his history with Sting and then introduces the icon who comes to the ring. He says he's uh, apprehensive and Tony takes a powder, leaves him all by himself. He's apprehensive about saying the word. I'm like, oh boy, that could be a lot of things. There's a couple of, there's a, there's about a dozen that you can't use anymore, Stinger. Be careful. I was, whoa, <laughs> oopsie. Are we going to have a, are we going to have some gamer words being thrown around here? No, no, no. We know what word he's talking about. I'm being stupid. It's a bit. Thank you for being here. Try the veal. But the word he's trying to, av to avoid speaking is making him reflective, reflecting on the times he traveled the road, the roads with Lex Luger, the Steiners, Buff Bagwell says, whoa, those are some names from the past. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't feel like maybe in his mind, he was like, those are deep cuts, but they really weren't. <laughs> I don't want to like, okay, sure. But yes, he's not wrong. And he says, and you know, back then, you know, we were young, we were hungry and we were looking at the generation ahead of us, you know, like Dusty Rhodes being the most charismatic human he'd ever seen. And then he gives props to Hulk Hogan. That was a choice. Lots of booze from the crowd. Uh, good on you, Texas. Uh, wait, what was the uh, Rosenberg? Because they even had Sting chant, Ro say Rosenberg, right? Um, but yeah, so, you know, he's like, you know, it's a choice to put over noted racist Hulk Hogan, right? <laughs> you know, serial liar, noted racist Hulk Hogan. But he says, look, nonetheless, he taught me shit. Oh, I bet he did. And of course, he gives a lot of props to, to Ric Flair. That is, uh, I mean, you you can't have, you can't talk about Sting's history without Ric Flair. It's intertwined. It's a, you know, look, you know, it, it's the very basis of his career. There's no Ric Flair. There's no Sting. I, I think that's fair. No Ric Flair, no Sting. Um... He says he understands now how the older guys couldn't let go of all of this. Let's look. Look at where I am right now. He says, should, at my age, should I be jumping off of balconies? And he, and he stops himself and he's like, oh. <laughs> Neat little promo. And he said, yes, I've already. So, you know, he comes around to announcing that he's, gonna, that he's going to be retiring. And he says, yes, he already had that retirement in 2015. But something never sat Never sat quite well with me on that one. And I'm like, mm-hmm. You know what, Stinger? It didn't sit well with a lot of us as well. I enjoyed that. That was that one. I felt like that one was for me. <laughs> and uh, just like his first in-ring match back was at Revolution 2021, his last one will be at Revolution 2024. So his retirement has been announced for February next year, essentially. Um, boy, 
And he and he underscores is like like this is not a wrestling retirement. He says the one thing you can be sure about thing is that this is for sure. Whereas usually he says you know nothing's for sure, but this is for sure. Like he's not screwing around with this one. He's not saying that this is a wrestling retirement, despite the fact that he is still a wrestler retiring. I mean, look, I mean, let's not be dopey here. But um, the prospect of Sting wrestling his final match that's going to be a huge thing. They're already stamping it in time, which means that we have time to build to it, anticipation, and that's going to sell tickets. That's going to be a ticket mover. There's going to be people from all around who are going to move on to Revolution to watch Sting wrestle his final match. Who will it be? I don't want to get into that speculation on a review show, but if you ask me, if you do, if you do things right... And you put over the next generation. You know, he was talking to here about how he was coming up. And you, you want to go full circle on this? He puts over a young guy. And it has to be Darby, right? I think that that's what makes the most sense. And Darby can have a good little match with Sting as well. Because that's also... You know, you 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 probably want Sting to have a singles match, right? You, you, doesn't that make sense? You don't necessarily want him to be in a, in a tag team, in a trios. You want him to have his final match. And look... He's been, he's been in Japan and he's been watching his old pal Kaiji Muto, you know, getting all of his retirement matches, <laughs> but getting a couple of singles ones in there too. So he's seen this, he understands it and he's, he's probably self-aware enough to know that it's like, look, I'm not going to go 15 minutes like Muto did with uh, fucking Tetsuya Naito or, you know, whatever, Shinsuke. Going to keep it nice and tidy. I'm sure he's aware of his limitations. But yeah, look, I, th you know, this is a big deal. It's a big deal for, uh, for the, uh, that, that we have a, um, an expiry date on the in-ring career of Steve Borden, Sting, a guy who came in to want to grab his, le his, his legacy, uh, grab hold of his legacy, take it out of the hands of Vince, so that he could do it his own way. Go out on his own terms. And uh, clearly Tony was open to that. Tony Khan. And we're going to end it in a proper way. Um, and it was a good choice. Everyone made wonderful choices here. And there's no one, I think, reasonably can say this was a failure. It was a waste of time. I know people who have never seen Sting wrestle in his heyday. Watching Sting in 2023 and going, this guy's pretty fun. I understand he's old. I understand he's a legend. But I'm, I enjoy what he does. So it's hard to, it's, you know, we'll do the retrospective when it's time. There's going to be plenty of those. But, you know, off the top of my head, and you couldn't have asked for a better, a better final stretch of a career. Other than sitting at home and waiting, you know, on a on a WWE contracts legend, waiting for a reboot of the Legends House or whatever the fuck, you know, it was a he. It's a good gamble by Sting. Good stuff. We get Tony Storm's new movie during Picture in Picture. All right, cool. Then back from commercial. We get Jim Ross in the sit-down interview with Nick Wayne and his mom. <laughs> and 
She's just, why did you do this? Nick, yeah. And Nick is being a petulant adolescent. I fucking love it. He's just sitting there, arms crossed, you know, legs extended, and, and his leg is wiggling. He's like, Ma, I don't want to do therapy. I love it. I like, yeah, and Jim Ross. And he starts shouting and says, hey, that's your mother. And I'm like, Jesus. Like, Nick is just being a petulant little fuck. And I loved it. It worked perfectly for him. Um, he calls her a terrible mother. He being Nick, uh, he takes off and, uh, but she, yeah, but, uh, Christian arrives. No, wait, Christian pops in, you know, puts his bat, his hand on, on Nick and, and the whole place explodes, right? The arena goes, ah! he, and he's there and he's holding his shoulder and he said, you know, and he says, "You ready to come home?" And I'm like, "Oh Jesus, he's so good!" And 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 Nick starts to to leave, and uh, she look. There's a little skirmish. That's when Nick calls her a terrible mother. She slaps him across the face, and she, and he says, "You're dead to me." God, pro wrestling families are weird. And <laughs> and then Christian leaves with Nick. He escorts him out, and and as Christian is leaving, he turns to to Nick's mom and he says you should have picked up the phone he just never forget everything matters everything counts it's all tremendous <laughs> but then they, there's fighting on the other side of the door and Darby Allen is uh, is attacking Nick Wayne um, and uh, and then this spills into the into the arena despite the fact that this was obviously a pre-tape but um Luchasaurus gets involved. Christian gets involved. Sting joins the battle. Hey, Nick. Nick Wayne gets a gets a teeth chipped. One of his a teeth a teeth a tooth chipped. One of his teeth gets chipped. Tremendous thing. And uh, Sting is doing the Scorpion Deathlock. Luchasaurus saves him. Like you know, the, the I, I thought the last few minutes of the of the schmas were a little weak, but I was entertained. And you know what? You had Adam Copeland and you had Christian Cage, Christian Cage, on this same show. Look at what they did, respectively, and tell me that there's no truth to the Adam Cole, Christian Cage meme that you've certainly seen, you know, with people doing back and forths, right? Right? You know, where... where you know the meme I'm talking about where Edge is like, he blah, 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 you know, he's on two times speed and he's talking and talking and talking and Christian's just like standing there. Like the meme is real. You know, Edge talked nonstop for like three minutes, like nonstop, just like, talk, 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 talk. Christian Cage pops in. He says two lines and everyone's nuts for it, right? It's like, look, I don't know. Then we have uh, Rene Paquette, who's with the best friends and Hook. And uh, basically, they're starting to set up matches for Battle of the Belts this weekend. Did you guys know it was about it? Are you excited? What is your level of excitement for Battle of the Belts? Leave a comment. <laughs> uh, Statlander is going to be uh, op she's opening the, 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 the gates and she's, uh, she wants uh, Willow Nightingale to challenge her. She says she's a friend. Someone she cares and respects for, cares about and respects. 
language, Warren, it's not that hard. And Orange Cassidy, you know, he's like, yeah, didn't know what you got till you're gone. Do a bit. He's like, okay, well, I, you know, I got something to prove. Okay. We don't know who his opponent is as I'm recording this, which is on Thursday or lunch. Maybe it's happening right now and I don't know. And then we had the Dynamite Diamond Ring Battle Royal where Juice Robinson defeated a bunch of people. And I was looking at the, uh, <laughs> I was looking at the, uh, once all these people were in the ring, I was like, look at all these, look at all these schlubs in the main event of the show. Like, I understand why this was in the main event, especially, you know, with MJ, with the MJF involvement and all that. Like, I understand it is a main event angle, but this was not a main. What are we doing here? John Morrison? Matt Seidel, Jake Hager, 2.0. Again, like I like like I like these guys enough, but this is my main event. This is my battle royal. Dustin's here, okay. Dan Garcia, cool. Commander is there just to continue the the uh, ongoing tradition of WCW Nitro of using luchadors to put the heavyweights over. I'm like, what? the fuck it what am i watching what is this what you're ending the show on it's not you know i'm i'm already like i already don't care much for you know running you know battle royals i'm not a big fan it's like let's just get let's just get to the final three four let's just as soon as possible i'm sitting there and i'm looking at john morrison Doing fucking spinneroonies in the middle of this match. I'm like, I, I, let's let's take it home, guys. What are we doing here? <laughs> Why is this main eventing with these? You know, the C team. You know, the Hardys. What are we doing? I get it. People still love the Hardys. Giving them something to do, I guess. And don't get me wrong, my commander, I think he's fantastic. But he's he hasn't won a match in the in in the Tonyverse. <laughs> the extended AEW universe. You know. Yeah. Final three, Garcia, Robinson, and Max Caster. You know, Max Caster trying to... Oh, Look, Juice pulls out the ring and uses it on Max Caster to get the win. So, you know, it's MJF's friend by proxy. Meanwhile, uh, Jay White, the most interesting part of this was Jay White and, uh, and MJF fighting at the top of the ramp and Max getting the better of him and then grabbing the title again. Right? And being like, I got you home, baby. But then what does Juice, uh, not Juice, but Jay do? He low blows him and he takes a powder with the title. Right? Which, I, you know, we're continuing the angle. It's not as if Max can, you know, doesn't want the title. Uh, Juice is just, uh, Jay is too wily. As he should. He's a smart wrestler. So, like, I, I like the angle. I, I love the Jay White MJF stuff so far. I think it's tremendous stuff. You know, uh, quarters hiccup, okay. But I think it's still tremendous. 
little little unfortunate situation there with the quarters. But other than that, like this, you can't ask for a better wrestling angle here. It's just simple and it's effective and it works. And then you have Juice Robinson making a point to use the ring again. So again, like I I I'm I'm, I'm convinced we're letting go of the quarters. We're doing this now, and I think that's fair, and I think that works, and I think that's fine. And I think I enjoyed this episode of Dynamite. I think I thought it was good. Great? No, but I thought it was good. I was I was I was thoroughly entertained. I think the weak point is the main event. <laughs> I really think the like the the weak element of this show was the main event. I thought everything else was you know, there's some things I didn't like as much, but I think overall some fantastic stuff. Solid wrestling and a great match. One legitimately great match um, with Omega and Fletcher. Uh, and Jay White and Penta had a tremendous one as well. The women had... Like, the wrestling was was here. As we say in French, c'était au rendez-vous. But that main event... I'm doing thumb down. Thumb th- 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 down thumbs. Thumbs down. For those of you who can't see me right now. There you have it. That was the show. That was uh, Dynamite. Uh, That was my review. So I will be back on uh, Sunday for the Collision Review and then back on Tuesday for another live recording of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. Hope you can make it. Thank you very much. One last call for a like, a subscription, a review, a rating. I'd appreciate it a great deal. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I'll see you next time.